Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. You know, we're walking through the Gospels and last week we walked through the process of Jesus calling his disciples and, you know, found out that it wasn't originally just the 12 called up front. As a matter of fact, when Jesus called Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John from their boat, remember, they, had, they already knew who he was. Uh, that way, because as I said last week, it used to baffle me that this rabbi is just walking along and says, come follow me, and these guys just immediately leave what they're doing. Like, who does that? And I used to think how unspiritual I was, thinking, would I ever do that? Just some guy I don't know walking along the shore. Well, we found out through the chronology of the Gospels, they had already known him, and they were actually already his disciples. And these four, plus possibly James and John, were at the wedding of Cana, and remember, because John said, that's the one, behold the Lamb of God. And Andrew, being one of his disciples, and probably John, immediately went and followed him. Andrew gets his brother, and so they, they come into the company of Jesus. Well, some time goes by, and these guys are still doing their job, still fishing. And now, you know, he, Jesus moves to Capernaum, and, and, and so he kind of ramps up the discipleship. And he says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So they leave their nets, and, and, and they come and follow him. And then one more time. We found that the second time Jesus calls them from the boats, this time he says, from now on, you will catch men. And that's when they went into full-time ministry. It was a process of time. And the other disciples didn't come in until later, actually a little later after these events that we're going to read tonight. So I always kind of imagined that the 12 were in everything, but it took a while for actually all 12 to come together. And the first few miracles were just four or six guys. Um, So... Mark chapter 1, we come to um, this story in verse 40, and it says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing. First of all, this leper coming to Jesus is already risky business for him. Because lepers weren't supposed to come to anybody. They weren't supposed to approach anyone. As a matter of fact, that was according to the law of Moses, if someone came within something like, 50 feet or so of a leper, and they they walking toward them, the leper was commanded by the law to cover his mouth and yell, unclean, unclean, so that they knew not to approach him. It's very strict laws. If you you ever want to read something so meticulous when it comes to a law, you need to read the law of the leper in Leviticus, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16. It is baffling. I just refreshed myself in it again today to see all of the, the laws and, and all the ceremonial washings it took for them to even come through this process to even be deemed clean so that they could enter back into society. I mean, it's amazing. And, and um, the Lord dealt with specific kinds of leprosy, you know, and uh, you remember this, don't you, Sarah? She's been pounding through the, the scriptures since the beginning of this year, reading large sums of it, and so... We've had some fun texting back and forth about some of this stuff. But it's, uh, so this leper has no, no business even coming toward Jesus. But look what it says. It says that he, he implored him, and, and uh, Matthew's gospel says that he worshipped him, kneeling down to him, and he says to him, watch this, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. 
I think this is a phenomenal statement by this leper. He doesn't yell unclean. He says, make me clean. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, there's only one person, actually, that could say that the leper was clean, and that is the priest. He had to come and be inspected by the priest, and then the priest would then, either by, you know, by, through, after his inspection, declare that he's still unclean or that he is now clean. Nobody else could do that. Nobody else had the authority to say whether the leper is clean or unclean. All right? This is important because I think it's interesting that the leper did not say, if you're willing, you can heal me. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. In other words, this leper saw something in Jesus and kind of called out his priestly authority to make him clean. Not just the healer, but the priest. The mouthpiece of God. If you're willing, you can make me clean. I love what Jesus does. Next, verse 41. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Now, this story is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But Mark's gospel is the only one that has this phrase, moved with compassion. Stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. The marvelous encounter here. He says, I am willing. Now, what, what's, there's also an issue here now. One, the leper even approaching Jesus. Two, Jesus touching the leper. Because also, according to the law of Moses, you don't touch a leper. Because if you touch a leper, then you are just as unclean as the leper himself. And so you have to go show yourself to the priest, and then you have to go through this whole ceremonial process again and spend a few days away from home, seven days I think it is, if you touch a leper, wash all your clothes, burn your house down. I don't know what all I have to do, but I mean, it's so strict. You can't even touch them or, or even sit where they sat or drink after them or anything like that. And Jesus reaches out. Now, wait a second. This is the law of Moses, therefore the law of God, what is God doing? What is God doing touching the leper? He said not to touch. That's kind of interesting. There are a couple of different times Jesus did something like this. I mean, who wrote the law? And here he is, reaches, I'm willing. Something about a higher law, though, called faith. Remember when Jesus told the Pharisees, Brooke, I didn't give you this to you, but let's bring up Matthew 23, 23. Matthew 23, 23. That's weird. I quoted that scripture in class today. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, hypocrites. I almost couldn't even pronounce that word. <laughs> For... For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected, watch, the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. He says, man, you're good at tithing. You've got it. I mean, you tithe on everything. I mean, you weigh it out. But you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, 
in faith. See, this is the Pharisees. They get caught up in this stuff, and you know that they carry that thing to the nth degree, this law, and demand the small things, the small things with no compassion, with no faith, with no humility, with no just whatsoever. And Jesus said, there are weightier matters here. And so Jesus is moving in the weightier matter right now, and that is compassion. He's being merciful to this man. I'm willing be cleansed. And he touches him because the truth is what Jesus touches changes, not what touches Jesus changes him. What Jesus touches changes. All right? He's not impacted by leprosy. He heals leprosy. This man was immediately, look at what it says. Let's go back. Thank you, Brooke. Let's go back to Mark chapter 1. It says, I am willing, be cleansed. Verse 42, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Let's go to the next verse. I think we need to go to the next verse. 43, and he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. Verse 44, and he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Let's stop for a moment. What do you think happened whenever Jesus said, don't tell anyone? What do you think happened? Huh? It's almost like, Jesus, how do you expect me not to say anything? You just instantaneously cleansed me and healed me of all my leprosy. And you want me to keep my mouth shut? Had this miracle happen, well, there's a reason for it. Now watch. As a testimony to them, in verse 45, however, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places and they came to him from every direction. It's almost like he and the leper switched places. The leper gets to go back into society. Jesus has to stay out now in the wilderness. The fact that the man did spread this news everywhere directly affected Jesus' ministry. It directly affected his ministry schedule. Because he cannot, and he refuses to, maybe he can, but it just doesn't seem like he can. He just refuses to overlook faith. He's right there in the moment with somebody who believes. And he's willing to stop whatever he's doing. This is amazing to me. We see this in his ministry a lot. A lot of people moved in faith and completely wrecked his schedule. He's on his way somewhere. Somebody interrupts him. Somebody inconveniences him. And he, and he has to respond because they believe. And God will not ignore your faith. That's what he's looking for. So the scripture says his eyes are roaming to and fro across the earth looking for faith. So that he can move on someone's behalf. It's amazing. So Jesus takes care of this man. And, and like I said, we'll see as we walk through these Gospels, <laughs> this is something that he, he did um, uh, throughout his ministry. It's something he experienced. Ah, Shane says thank you. He was watching it. Awesome. Okay, Mark chapter 2. Let's go to Mark chapter 2. Beautiful story. And again, he entered Capernaum. Now, what, what did we learn about Capernaum? Anybody remember? Have you slept two or three nights since then? Remember, Capernaum is where Jesus moved his entire ministry. Remember, he came out of Nazareth, 
moved his entire ministry, and that's when the discipleship started ramping up, all right? So he comes back now to where he lives after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. <laughs> I love that. Uh, who's in the house? All right, and never mind. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. You know what those guys saw? They saw an open door. There the place is packed out. There ain't no room to get in there. But these guys saw an open door because the healer was in the house. They saw an open door, or they made the door open. They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith did Jesus see? Hmm? He saw their faith. He saw these four. We don't know if they're friends. They probably are his friends. I don't know. Uh, none, of the, none of the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, say that they were his friends. But, you know, usually total strangers don't do stuff like this. They're probably his buddies. But it says he saw their faith. And I don't think that, it's, that we, because of the way it reads it, I don't think that we can necessarily um, assume that he didn't see the paralytic's faith as well. I think that all of them were in faith here. And, and maybe the paralytic told his friends, get me to this healer. I heard that he can do amazing things. And so it doesn't necessarily just mean he exclusively saw the friend's faith, but we do know he saw their faith, whoever they are. It was more than one. Son, your sins are forgiven you. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Who does this guy think he is? Who does this guy think he is for giving sins? Do you go around telling people that? Hmm? Huh? Sarah, if you offended Stephen, and I know that would be impossible to do, but, I mean, you really did something dastardly to him, said something awful, spread some lies about him, and I came along and I said, you're forgiven. He smirks. <laughs> what benefit does he get out of this deal? You're forgiven for what you did to him. The audacity, right? You think, who? No, you don't get to do that. This is what these guys are saying. He says, son, your sins are forgiven you. And these Pharisees start reasoning. Who is this guy to think that he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Yeah, dummy. Guess who's in the flesh? <laughs> Who does this guy think he is? Now, either Jesus, because nobody, this, this is another proof that he was God in the flesh to go around forgiving people's sins. We don't get to do that. Oh, man. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man, <clears throat> why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's how they talk. Did you know that? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Matthew's gospel says, 
Why do you think evil in your hearts? Why do you think evil? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. You know what Jesus is saying is, it's the same thing. Because if he can heal, then he can forgive sins. And if he can forgive sins, then he can heal. So, right? Think about it. What is Psalms chapter 105, 103, 103? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease. Amen. He forgives and he heals. Jesus shows up and says, you're forgiven. They go, he says, okay, take up your bed and walk them. Be healed. It's the same thing. I say to you, right, look at this. But that you may know that the Son of Man, I love that he didn't say Son of God. The Son of Man has power to forgive on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose. So this guy had some kind of faith working in him, right? He didn't go, Lord, I don't know if I can do that, right? He says immediately he got up. He rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw nothing like this. We never saw anything like this. Now we're going to go to Luke's gospel, its account of this for just a moment. Because he lets us in on a little more detail, a little different detail, I should say, in this story. Now, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Man, this guy's got everybody's attention, doesn't he? They're coming to inspect this guy. Look, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So some of these guys showed up, these Pharisees, some of these teachers of the law showed up, and they were sick. They had some physical issues. And the power of God, think about how gracious and merciful our God is. The power of God was present to heal them. Next. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. 19, and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop, let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Now we know what kind of roof it was. When he saw their faith, all three gospels, I love this, say that, when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 9, I think verses 1 through 8, also if you want to read that for later, uh, Jesus says to him, be of good cheer. Son, your sins are forgiven. Man, your sins are forgiven you. Mm. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So see, this was their moment to believe. This is their moment. After hearing what he said and letting that sink in, no man talks like this guy. No man goes around saying, Your sins are forgiven you, son. But they hear him say, Your sins are forgiven you, son. And because they have hearts of unbelief, then they begin to reason in unbelief instead of taking him at his word. Instead of hearing what this man said and realizing the power of this moment, I can be healed here in this room right now. That guy gets healed. Anybody can get healed. Instead, they reasoned in unbelief. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Again, your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk but that you may know 
that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Nobody expects a paralytic to get healed. There's a lot of things we could imagine, but somebody who's been paralyzed, wow, that's a bona fide miracle, right? And Jesus came to his own country, and we'll, we'll look at this a little bit later on. In Mark chapter 6, he came to his own country, and he was teaching and his family members and, and people who knew him growing up said, well, wait a second, isn't this the carpenter's son? And it says, and then they were offended at him so that this offense was so strong, it says that he could do no mighty work there except heal a few sick people by laying hands on them. That's an amazing scripture to me. Laying hands on people and seeing them healed isn't a mighty work, apparently. <laughs> he could do no mighty work except lay his hands on people and heal them. Wow. Where's our faith? Or maybe I should say, where's my faith? Because we're like, man, we laid hands on people, they got healed. Well, it should have happened, right? I mean, that should be what believers, these are signs that follow believers, right? Sometimes we make too big of a deal of the small thing and kind of cancel out the, the potential for the bigger thing. And he says he couldn't do any mighty work. See, this is a mighty work, no doubt. Except lay his hands on a few sick people. And, and then the scripture says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled at their unbelief. How is it, no matter what I do, that people are still stuck in unbelief? So, you know what he did? He started teaching. He went on a circuit. Scripture says teaching. That's the only way to get rid of unbelief is teach it out of people. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is, hearing the word of God preached. Hearing the word of God preached. That's why I love having you come back because I just think, wow, look at all the potential that's in this room. When you hear the word of God, the fact that you've got ears means you're going to hear the word tonight and anything's possible because faith comes at hearing the word. Amen. So I believe that anything is possible for you. I believe that the mighty work is possible for you. I do believe that signs and wonders are possible for you. I do believe in miracles and signs and wonders and, and the supernatural power of God being at your disposal because you are people who believe God. So imagine Jesus is, is on this schedule, but he continues to get interrupted. He's teaching in a meeting. All of a sudden, Psh! he saw their faith, and he stops the meeting because somebody was believing. Anything's possible to those who believe. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Anything's possible for those who believe. So believe tonight. Believe God. Believe his word. Believe his promise. Though you don't see it. Though you don't have circumstantial evidence yet. Believe his word. Believe his word. There was a man who paved the way for our faith. It showed us that um, even against all hope, as what it says in Romans 4, in hope he believed. In other words, there was nothing in the natural saying that this is possible. 
You don't want to get this guy's hopes up. But even in hope, he believed because Abraham had come to this place in his life that he was fully persuaded, no matter what he was looking at, he was fully persuaded that God was able to perform what he promised. Amen. So believe that. Confess that with your mouth tonight. Whatever situation you need help in, whatever you need a breakthrough, God's supernatural interference in your life. Tonight, just declare, Lord, I believe you. I am persuaded that you are able, though I don't see it, though I haven't experienced it, experienced it yet, but God, my, my belief is that you're able. Because God, you are the God of more than enough. You are my healer. You are my provider. I have so much more to look to and to lean on and to cling to than, than these things that are before my eyes. I have a greater reality, a greater source who is my heavenly Father. Father, I thank you now for, for blessing your people tonight, for meeting needs, for healing, God, your healing power being released, your anointing, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God, that you sent your word and you healed them and you delivered them from their destruction. Thank you that our Savior bore stripes upon his back for our healing. By his wounds, we are healed. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for restoring tonight. Restoring things that have been lost, Lord. Things that have been stolen. Years. Hell, whatever it may be. Thank you, Lord, for bringing full restoration. Full recovery in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, for healing not only in bodies, but also, Lord, in relationships tonight. Between husbands and wives and children and friends, Father God. Thank you, Lord. That you, you love the family. You love the house. And Lord, your word teaches us that we love one another. We love one another. That's how we know that we love God. Because of our love for one another. Thank you, Father, for your provision tonight. There are those here tonight who need help, God. They need uh, uh, provision in, in some area in their life, whether it's financially, God, or whatever it may be. I thank you, God. You know. You said you know what we have need of before we ask. But your supply is not according to what we know here, but your supply is according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So thank you. Thank you for that. That means there absolutely is an answer. There absolutely is supply. There absolutely is provision. Because, Father, you're, you're not just our God. You are our Father. So we don't have to beg you or, or, or try to earn these things because you're our Father. It's your job to take care of us. It's, it's, your, it's your position as our Father to do that very thing. So I thank you, Lord, tonight. And that the peace of God that passes all understanding now would guard every heart and mind here. Every heart and mind. That it would shield up around them and guard them and keep them, Lord, from fears, anxieties, and worries. Thank you, Lord. And now I also thank you for the joy of the Lord that is their strength. Your joy is a powerful weapon. It was that thing that Jesus set his sights on. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And I thank you, Lord, for infusing your people tonight with the joy of the Lord that strengthens them, spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Praise God.
All right. Thank you for being here. Let's stand together. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and all of your house and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.